class is a memory of Jared Orchen, and today we're going to learn the Aftorah of Parshat Akev. The second Aftorah, it's on page 1472 in this book, the second Aftorah in the series of seven weeks while offering comfort to the Jewish people. Last week, God is sending the prophet to comfort the Jewish people, right? Tells them, go tell my people, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. The prophet tells the Jews, God says you should be comforted. This week, the Jewish people answer the prophet, Batomer Zion said, Azovani Hashem, God has forsaken me, and he had forgotten about me. God doesn't remember me. I feel forgotten and forsaken and abandoned. That's how I feel. That's what the Jewish people tell the prophet. Next week of Torah, turn one page. Is so to speak, the prophet comes and tells God, the poor, <coughs> the poor one, afflicted one, is not comforted. So to speak, the prophet is delivered, is reporting to God. I went to I went to, to to comfort the Jewish people on your mission, but they don't want to accept comfort. The fourth of Torah. God says, you know what? If they don't accept comfort from the, from, the, from the prophet, I myself will come to comfort them. I try to do it through an emissary, through a mission to send the prophets. It doesn't work. The Aftorah of Parshat Shoftim on page 1476 started the word, Anochi, Anochi, Umenachem, Chem. I am the one who will comfort you. Oh, now, now we're talking. Will we see a story like this in the Bible that God wanted to send somebody else and it was rejected? By Moses? Yeah, when? When they were going to go into exile. No? Well, we know it's in Aaron and Stephen. Oh, Aaron, uh, yeah. Aaron and uh, Miriam or when they no. were in that area. No. <laughs> By Moses, God wanted to send some, somebody or someone or something oh, the Messiah. To, to lead the Jewish people. Oh, the angel. The uh, angel. The when was the angel? Uh, after the golden calf. After the golden calf. God tells okay. Moses, you know what? I'll send an angel. You cannot handle me. It's too much godliness. Send an angel and he will. A lower level of godliness. Moses says, no. If you go, we are going. If not, we are not going. Really, that's what is happening here in this conversation. This explanation gave the Avud Ram, it's a rabbi that lived, I think, in the 14th century in Spain. And he writes this explanation. He says, it, if you take all the beginnings of the seven Aftoras, you realize it's a conversation regarding the Jewish people. Then the fifth Aftorah and the sixth Aftorah say how, God is, how the Jewish people are excited to hear, are being comforted by God. And then the last Aftorah before Rosh Hashanah is, So Sasis Ba'ashem. Now I'll rejoice with God. That God is comforting me, I'll find, I'll find comfort, I'll find joy by this. Then these all seven of Torahs are really a conversation with other Jewish people. God says, okay, go, go comfort them. The Jewish people, Jewish people are VIPs. They don't take somebody. Who are you? What was Moses afraid? They'll come to the Jewish people, tell them, and you? Where are you coming? Where were you the last 60 years? Right? The same thing is here. Now we'll go back to our, our Torah on page 1472. Atomer Zion said, go ahead, please. Zion will want to say, God has abandoned me. My God has forgotten me. My God has forgotten me. Can you imagine the Jewish people tell God? That's how I feel. You can tell me I comfort you all nice and fine. We feel that you forgot about us. We it's just like, read the Book of Lamentations. It's like, it's like Jews <laughs> felt in the Holocaust. God forbid. Some people can reach. It's interesting. Some Jews had an awakening in the Holocaust. 
I was many years ago at the Holocaust Museum in Washington. I saw a little video, you know, there are interviews of people. But one guy tells a story, he says, I saw my friend praying in, 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 in camp. I told him, what are you davening for? What are you praying for? I told him, I'm thanking God and I'm not like them. <coughs> I asked. That means to say, he didn't lose his faith there. Eh? I have an uncle who is now over 90. He went through everything in the Holocaust. He was saved from the, from the Nazis four or five times. He was in the pit, he was shot, whatever you want. And he's a very strong, they're going to say, but there are people who had a feeling that God had forsaken. And it's not necessarily has to be Holocaust. God forbid a person wakes up one morning, gets so he forgets, he feels that he's his feeling. Look, look what God is answering him. Continue. But this cannot be the case. For could a woman forget her baby or not have compassion on the child of her womb? Even if it's conceivable that she would forget her children, nevertheless, I will not forget you. Okay, let's stop right here. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. Atishkach isha ulo. Can a mother forget her baby? A mother, she might be busy with a thousand things. But really, she has the babies. Uh, she's jumping. In the middle of the night, the husband can sleep like a... Like a, like a <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> she will do it in a minute. The time will take her to wake him up, to go to bring the... It's not water. Right when she wakes up. That's the nature. It's in the nature of a mother. God is asking to the Jewish people. If I, can a mother forget her baby? That she's so loving and she gave the fruit of her, of her, of her, of her that she gave birth to? But there is some mothers who could forget. There is, there is such cases. Even there is in the physical world such mothers who could forget the baby. I will never forget you. That's one level of learning this verse. Gemora, the Talmud in, 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 in Tractate Brachot, says like this. The Jewish people tell God, God tells, I will never, I never forget. Never forget you. He says, God, you, you, you forgot. You for, you, God tells the Jewish people, I'll never forget all your sacrifice, all your good things that you did for me. Because God doesn't forget. You know what the problem with this? If he doesn't forget, what's the problem with not forgetting? He remembers the bad too. He remembers the bad too. It's like your wife. <laughs> <laughs> she remembers only the bad. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot already. <laughs> then the God, if God doesn't forget, it's a problem. And the Jewish people say, God, would you forget? You, will you remember also the golden calf? The golden calf is like the ultimate. 40 days after Mount Sinai, Moses is still at the Mount Sinai. We are already worshiping idols. But if you don't forget, it's a problem. Forgetfulness is a, is, is a gift. People will never be able to move on with life if they wouldn't be able to forget. That says, they also, even there's those, this I forget. There's the woman who forget this, right? And then the Jewish people ask, if you forget, maybe you forget the good things also. You forget Mount Sinai, but we received the Torah. God says, no, I will not forget it. Now I'll show you in the Bible, in the, in the text in Hebrew. It's amazing. The second line here, the last line. Gam eile tishkachno. Eile. Where is the word eile mentioned in the Bible? It's a very hard word to remember. They will forget, God says, we will, I'll forget Eile. Which Eile I will forget? The Jewish people, when they called the golden calf, they said, Eile Elokecha Israel. This is your God Israel. The last word and the second line is Eile. You see it? If you will open uh, by, by the story of the golden calf. One second, let's find it. Um, page 570, um, 571. Mm. Actually, it's a few pages before. 
uh, on page 565, actually. <clears throat> number four. They called it a, what, um, read number four, please. He took the rings from their hands, tied it up in a cloth, and the sorcerers from the mixed multitude made it into a molten calf. They, the mixed multitude, said, these are your gods, O Israel. This is your God, Israel, who took you out from Egypt, right? Yeah. Now, if you look at the third line, the third word from the end of the line, Ele Elokecha Israel. You see it? Then Hashem says, Gam Ele Tishkachno. The word Ele, this Ele from Ele Elokecha Israel, this is this, the Jewish people said, This is your God, idol worshiping, the golden calf, I will forget. Ve'anochi lo ishkachech. Here is written the word anochi. First, the Ten Commandments. The first word of the Ten Commandments is anochi Hashem Elokecha. I am your God. Anochi, that anochi, that I Ten Commandment, that I gave you the Ten Commandment, you were ready to accept it. And you said, now, seven ishma, we will do and we will listen. This I will never forget. Now we'll go back to our Torah and I'll show it to you how is it written so nicely? The second line goes, Atishkach Isha Ulo. Can a woman f- forget her baby from having Machmones and the child that she gave birth to? Gam Eile Tishkach, no, Eile. A God, so to speak, I said, I'll forget. Veonoichi, the Anochi Hashem Elokecha. The God, what God gave the Torah, this Onoichi, from the Ten Commandments. I will never forget. Why is it to compare to a mother? Because a mother forgets the bad and remembers the good. Right? A spouse. Husbands or kids? That's a lot of questions. But a mother will always forget the bad. She always remembers the good. She remembers what the child was smiling does remember the three days that he was crying and he had a pain and she was up at him a whole night. That she doesn't. Then the God tells the Jewish people, I don't forget, but I forget the sins. I forget, you know, it's a selective memory. God has selective memory for the Jewish people. He remembers the good and he forgets the bad. Because we already repented on the golden calf. Already suffered to the good. He, he forgets the, the bad. The bad, and he remembers the good. Because you already, forgi- already forgave forgive us. You already repented for it. And that's why we're still in exile, and but alive? Yeah, alive and well. I'm alive. saying that's where we're alive, but still I mean, in exile. Saul and I was not such a bad exile. <laughs> 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 there was once a rabbi, he was in, in, in Miami Beach. He came Shabbos afternoon. He took him out. It was a big swimming pool and a nice garden. He looks around, he said, for exile, it's not so bad. <laughs> but that's the point. Nothing to be, nothing to be complain about. Okay, we'll continue on number 16. Indeed, my memory of you is so vivid, it is, is as if I have engraved you on my palms. I engraved you on my palms. Why should God, why on palms? Gave you on my nose today, everybody's doing tattoos everywhere. <laughs> why, I know, I didn't see anybody's making a tattoo right here. Why the palm? What do you think? God holds us in his hand. That's a nice thought. And this is never uncovered. Okay, it's constantly in front of your, of your eyes. Understand, right. that's why. Is that why you put the film on there? And gave you a new, maybe. Yeah, you're right here, it's like a dollar, yeah. And then he says, what is the second thing that you will not make me forget you? And your ruined walls are always a reminder before me. The ruined walls of Jerusalem, I, even if I want to forget, it stands in front of me, I cannot forget it. The, the western wall, the walls are standing, and they're reminding me what's going on here. Is that one of the reasons why the Western Wall is so significant? Is this line? Could be. Could be. Could be. That's the reminder to God that of the ruins of Jerusalem. It has to be rebuilt. 
Okay, number 17. In fact, it is your children, and not I, who quickly forgot about their land. It was the wicked ones that came from you, and not I, who destroyed you and laid waste to you, O Zion. God says, who brought destruction to Jerusalem? Me? It's your own children. Always the Tzorahs come from within ourselves, from fights, from disagreement, from reporting to the government, all the stories of the second temple and the first temple. You don't want to speak bad on the Jewish people, but it's all from, from inside. It's an inside job always, till today. Yeah, for everybody. Till today. Then he says, you want, you're blaming me? You want, you want the people did it. Now he starts a very comforting line. Continue with the comforting mood. You want to continue? Lift up your eyes and see how your children have all gathered and come to you. <clears throat> As I lift live, up your eyes, he tells God, tells the Jewish people, see how the children are coming back to Israel. When Moshe will come and can gather from exile. Continue, I'm sorry. As I live, says Hashem, you will be proud of them all like one who wears jewels, and you will tie them to yourself like silk adornments of a bride. Yeah, like adornment of a bride. You'll be, you'll be so proud of your children like, like, a, like a jewelry. Number 19. For your worries about your ruins, desolate places, and destroyed land will end as your land will now be swarming with inhabitants, and your destroyers will be distant from you. Then he basically says it's going to be good days. The Jewish people come back to Jerusalem. The city will be full. Continue. Your ears will hear that your children from whom you thought you were bereaved are saying to each other, this place is too crowded for me. Make room for me to settle too. Even today you come to Jerusalem. The real estate is in the sky. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, going, it's, it's crowded. It's full. It's packed. There's no place. That's what God is talking about. Will be good days that Jerusalem will be full. And everything will come back. Number 21. Then you will say in your heart, who gave birth to all these people for me? I was bereft and alone for so long with my children, exiled and wandering from me. Who raised them? For I was by myself. Where have these people come from? Okay. Says here, you'll say in your heart, who gave birth to these kids? I was bereaved for my children and alone. Alone means a widow. Then how could be children? Now I didn't give birth and I was also alone. And basically, where is this suddenly people coming back to Judaism and, re and returning back? Where are these people? Now right after the Holocaust, their the, the, the attitude was that Judaism is over. The rest of the Jews will be become, well, Jewish. They leave their Judaism. The numbers of Orthodox uh, you to left Judaism was huge, huge, huge. I think 80%, something like this, even more. Now, 7%, very small number. Not only this, it turned the stream, the, the current turned the other direction. Jews who are secular Jews, kids of secular Jews, three generations coming back to Judaism. But when the Rebbe 50, 60 years ago, 1945, started the idea of reach, reaching out to other Jews and bringing back Jews. It was like, no, never happened. Never happened. Why should a Jew want to put on film? What is it, crazy? Why should he want to keep kosher if he cannot to? It's never going to catch up, catch on. And the Rebbe sent one rabbi and a second and a third. I just heard on a video, there is a rabbi Tokeyal. Tokeyal, he has actually family in Cleveland. His nephew, actually, is teaching by us in Hebrew school. But he was a young man, he's now in his probably late 80s, he was a young man, and he went to, he had a connection with, with Japan or something. The Rebbe read about him, that he was, uh, the Rebbe called him, he says he wants to see him. The secretary called him, the Rebbe wants to see him, he comes in. The Rebbe looks at him and tells him, for how long, why are you busy with the dead? Be busy with the, with the, with the living. He looks and the Rebbe said, what are you talking about? Like, he didn't know what he's talking about. The Rebbe said, I read 
that you found a Jewish cemetery in Nagasaki or something, that you took care of it. That's nice, but there is a living Jewish community in, in, in Japan. What would be with these Jews? And he says, no, but I don't. Uh, he argues with the Rebbe, the Rebbe told me, why you don't send you, you rabbis? The Rebbe said, if I would have one, I would send, believe me. He didn't want to. Then somebody from the community in, uh, in, in, from Japan contacted him and encouraged them. Basically, he ended up going there for seven, eight years. Four years later, he heard that the Rebbe was the one who called, told the, the guy from Japan to contact Tokea to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, told, he got away, he told the Rebbe, thank you, but no, thank you, but no, it's not for me, and he left. And there was no such thing as no. No answers. That's what it was. Now, 50 years passed, and the Jewish people are asking, who gave birth to these people? From where are they coming? Suddenly, Jews coming back to Judaism from all over. And the whole thing turned around. And that's, what, that's the prophecy which is being fulfilled now. Number 22. Yeah. This is what God Almighty says. Look, I will lift up my hand to the nations and hoist my banner to the peoples to arouse their hearts. They will bring your sons in their corners of their garments and carry your daughters on their shoulders. Kings will be your child minders and their princesses your wet nurses. They will bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet, and you will know that I am God who is all-powerful, so that those who trust in me will not be ashamed. Okay, what is he saying here? He says here, I will make sure that you will become so loved and so cherished by the world that people will carry you on their hands. Oh, Jew arrived. Come on, let's make a dinner for him. What he needs, let's be a part of him. Everybody wants to sit next to him because they represent God. Kings will be like your nurses. As Sarah said, and the, and, the, and, the, and the princess, the women, the queens will be, will be the one who nursing you, like a mother was nursing a baby. They'll take care of you if you just do the right thing. The world will want to be about... In China, my brother tells me, everybody wants to learn from the Jews. They're so smart. How can we? They come to my brother and say, tell me, how can we? Maybe open a school. Teach our children should be as smart as the Jews. Whatever you want. Teach them whatever you want. We want you, but just like you, we want the children to be. The old Far East is like this. That's, what the, that's a prophecy that's being fulfilled now. That the world is... If we spoke about it maybe last week, that even in America, I mean, the most important people have Jewish son-in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm excited about this assimilation business, but it just shows you how much the Jews are adored in the United States. Everybody wants to be a part of them. That's exactly the prophecy. Number 24. Can spoil be taken away from the mighty, Esau, or captives saved from Yaakov, the righteous? But God says captive, captives can be freed from the mighty and spoil taken back from tyrants, for I will fight for your enemies and save your children. Okay, what he says is like this. Some people say, the Jewish people say, can... They are the strong ones. How could we be? We are captives. We are in exile. We are slaves. We are, we are captives by, 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 the, by the big world. God says, I can do this. I'm stronger than them. I can take out the captives and bring them back to their place. That's what God is saying. Number 26. I will feed the flesh of those who verbally abused you to wild animals and birds will become drunk on their blood as if it were wine. Then all flesh will know that I am God, your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Yaakov. That's the end of chapter 49. The Torah starts in the middle of chapter 49. That's the end of chapter 49. We'll get back to you soon. 
And, uh, and, uh, and now it starts, the Torah continues on chapter 15. 15. So says God. God says, what is the reason for the bill of divorce which, with which I sent away your mother, the congregation of Israel? To which of my creditors did I sell you to pay back my loan? You were sold because of your sins, and your mother was sent away because of your transgressions. Let's try right here. First of all, before, get, the, the, before is, the, is, the, is the metaphor of a mother and a child. Now it's, it's a metaphor of a husband and wife, and a master and a servant, right? The, the Jewish people, when it comes to come back from exile, the Jewish people said, God divorced us already. What do you want from us? It's over. It's too late. There is no way back. Who said that there is no way back in Jewish history? Jeremiah, because he said there's a way back. No, no. Jeremiah said there was a divorce. Said there, said divorce yeah. yeah, that's actually, yeah. <laughs> there's no way back. There is some famous rabbi who said there is no, I, there is no way back for me. Oh, me. Alicia Benavuya? Alicia Benavuya. All story, we're not going to it, but there is a... Famous story about a rabbi who said that his disciple told him, Rabbi Meir told him, come back. And he says, God told me, God, I heard a voice from heaven that, I, that I'm doomed, that he's doomed, that he cannot, there is no way back. No such thing. Here, the prophet is speaking to these people who say that there is no way back. We got already a divorce, a bill of divorce, a get. Or I sold you, or they say we were sold as slaves to, my, to the creditors. It used to be in the time of the Bible, sometimes creditors who couldn't get the money took the children as slaves. Which story we have it? Which story we have a story that Alicia. somebody came to take the uh, children the, the as slaves? The Shunammite woman? The Shuna, not the Shunammite oh, okay. woman. Uh, who came to Elisha? The wife of Ovadia came to Elisha and she told them, my creditor, who was the creditor? Ahab's sons, Jeroboam, I think it was his name. Yoram, Yoram, Yehoram, came to take my, the children because your husband owed money to the king. The husband died. She didn't have money to pay. Did he come to take? Then God is here using the same metaphor. Did I ever sold you, gave you up to, to the creditors, the slaves? I didn't give you a get. But this has a good point. There is written in the book of Jeremiah what? It says that God did divorce you, but... It's written that God did divorce us. And what's going on? God divorced us or did divorce us? What's going on? So divorced the northern kingdom. Right? Oh, that's one of the explanations. There's two kingdoms, right? right. He, that's one of the explanations. The commentary said he divorced, divorced the northern kingdom, the ten tribes. They're actually gone. And he didn't divorce us, the rest of the Jewish people. But even the ten tribes are not divorced completely. Yeah, because they're coming back too, right? They're coming back too. Unless you're Rabbi Akiva, right? Isn't it Akiva what, who what? says that the ten tribes aren't returning? Oh, oh, oh. So what does this mean? It says, it says, God says, what is the reason for the bill of divorce which I sent away your, with which I sent away your mother? He's saying, I... Continue. The, the congregation of Israel. Continue. To which of my creditors did I sell you to pay back my loan? Continue. You were sold because of your sin. You were sold because of your sins, and your mother was sent away because of your transgressions. So all this will end when you repent. Don't you see what is the bill of divorce? Of, of, of divorce? What? It's kind. Where is the bill of divorce? You have a bill of divorce? Can you show me that? That's what God is asking. You mean a get? A get? You have a get? You I never give your get? <laughs> no, I mean to say, God is saying that you, show, you have a get to show me? That's what God is saying. It's tongue-in-cheek. You don't ever get to show me. But you said never saw divorced. But tongue-in-cheek with God is... That's what yeah. Jeremiah, I'm telling you. That's scary. The bottom line... The bottom line, God did not do all the Jewish people. He tore them out of the house. Yeah, or didn't, it wasn't. They are separated. Finally, today, in one modern world, there is, a, there is a term for the situation of God and the Jewish people. We are separated. You know... God was exiled the Jewish people. Husband tore out his wife from his house for whatever reason. Then she knocks on the door one day. The one day there was a big snowstorm. She knocks on the door. Says, Let me in. I need a place to stay. He opens the door. Let's her in. She 
It's in the dining room, living room. She makes herself a, a tea in the kitchen. She wants to go to the bedroom. He says, eh, I let you in because it's cold outside, but it doesn't mean that I, we are remarried. The Jewish people were in exile, and then there was a big snowstorm, the Holocaust. God opened the doors of the land of Israel. What does into the dining room, to the living room, to the kitchen? But as long as Moshiach didn't come, we are not in the bedroom. We are not remarried to God. We are still kind of separated. So this chapter is a prophecy chapter? All of this is prophecy, sure. Absolutely. Now, yeah, now we'll see on page 1474. Um, you want to read? Oh, sure. Why was no one there when I came to you? No so their fish stink from lack of water and die of thirst. I can clothe the heavens in darkness and cover them with sackcloth. Okay, what is going on here? I know the very powerful line from the Bible. Madua bati ve'enish karati ve'enone. Why why was I was no one there when I came? Madua bati means why I came and nobody was there. I called and nobody answered. God is complaining and speaking to you, talking to the wolf. When exactly God came and nobody was there? When was God there and he called and nobody answered? God is complaining, I came and nobody was there. I looked for you. Where was it? Spies? When was God coming and nobody was there? Hmm? Yeah, I don't know that condition to wake up a little more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing the answer right Just one, one moment. Madua Bossi Vainish, I came and there is no man. No one was there. I called and nobody answered. When was it? What is that complaining about? When, when has such a thing happened? That you don't believe? Is my hand too short to redeem you? Do I have no strength to, to, to save you? With one word, I, 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 I dried out a, a, a sea. And I turned it into a desert. And the fish is dying. When he came and nobody was there. You know that. Believe me, you know it. When God came and nobody was there, you all know it. Colin Kevin didn't come. (laughs) But it's close. You're close, very close. At Mount Sinai, God showed up and the Jews were sleeping. Sleeping in the Torah. In the story, it's written. Here's the story of Mount Sinai in Jethro. On page 469. Number 16. Page 469, number 16, one second. On the third day, when it was becoming morning, before the people arrived, they were thunder, flaps, and lighting the flashes. A thick cloud was up on the mountain, and a very powerful blast of the chauffeur, the entire nation that was in the camp shuddered. Moshe brought the people out of the camp toward the divine presence which approached them, and they stood at the bottom of the mountain. The Moshe, the Jewish people, the mountain, the, state, the sound of the sofa, when they were in the camp. And Moshe pulled them out with the pajamas to go to God. 
And Rashi says it right here, it's not in English, that that's what happened. And then there is another verse in the Bible that speaks about that, right by the end, um, in Parsh and Bezot Abracha, Hashem Sinai Bo, it's written, there is a verse that says, on, one second, on page 1357, the second line in the beginning of the last Parsha of the Torah, this is the blessing that Moses, this man of God, blessed the Jewish people before his death. That a number two on page 1357, number two. One second, we'll wait. He first said word of praise about God. God came out from Sinai to meet the Jewish people. God came out from Mount Sinai to meet the Jewish people. And he shined his glory. To then Rashi says, that's the point that I want to bring. Like a chosen who goes out for the color. A chosen goes first to the chuppah, right? Why the groom comes to the chuppah first? And then when the bride comes, he goes to greet them. Because he learned it from God. Then God was at Mount Sinai, and the Jewish people were sleeping. And the prophet Isaiah, God had patience. He waited 800 years until he told the Jewish people what he really thinks about them. <laughs> you know, sometimes you wait and wait and wait, and one day you tell them, God says on page 1474 in our Torah, it says, Why I've come to the Jewish people and nobody was there. I called out and nobody answered. You lost, you, somewhere you lost it. I, 1474. I, no, no, I, I saw that. What's the problem? We're, God was, the point is that God was at Mount Sinai before the Jewish people. Well, didn't Moses tell them to rest up for, that in three days God was coming? They sure told them. Didn't they count 49 days? I have the question too. It's a bigger question. You think only me and you have the question. The question is 3,000 years old. <laughs> and that's why we are up every night in Shavuos every year. To atone for sleeping on the most important night. See, by the golden cave, everybody was up. Nobody went to sleep. It's, you know, it's like when you children, during the week, you cannot pull them out of bed. We, and we, on weekends, they're jumping and you're at 5 o'clock in the morning. Same thing as the Jews. Mount Sinai, go to learn Torah, everybody's tired. 40 days later, well, Aaron tells them, tomorrow we'll make a day for God, for, the, for our worshiping. Hey, tomorrow. They were up all night. Nobody went to sleep. Moses, now, Prophet Isaiah tells his name God. Now there is another interesting thing. There's a Medrash who says, there is a minion, let's say time to Davon, seven o'clock in the morning, and there is no minion. God is saying this verse, why I came and there is no man, I called and nobody answers. That's what Gemara says, on a situation that there is no minion. That's as I came, <laughs> the guys are sleeping. You called me for, you made an appointment with me. You said service at seven o'clock or 10 o'clock or whatever it is. We made an appointment, right? I showed up, you guys are not. That's what the Talmud says. Okay, we are number three. And number four, I'm sorry. The prophet says, God Almighty has given me a tongue for teaching. So I should know how to teach those who thirst for God's word. The right thing at the right time. He wakes me every morning and rouses my ears to hear prophecy, so I will be able to listen like a disciple. Okay, God says, Isaiah is kind of the, revealing a little bit of himself. You understand what I'm saying? Says, why God gives me a special tongue to teach, to be able to teach my, and to give advice to, to my student. Every morning I hear and I get, I get an idea how how to be able to get into the heart of the people. How to convince people. Number five. Hey, excuse me, this yeah. is the word listen. I will able to listen. Yes, yes, is yes. Is that Shema? Lishmoa, yeah. Yeah, okay. You're right. That's because the connection of the Parsha. Hero Israel. Hero Israel is the last week's Parsha. This, is the, this week is the second right, paragraph right, of Lishmoa. Still what? the Are idea you? of listening oh, yeah, and hearing, right? Uh -huh. It's repeated it's been about seven, eight times. Yeah, there is Shema, Shema, the word Shema Israel, you're right. Shema Israel is written in the Parsha too. Yeah, right. not, not 
the official Shema Israel, but the word Shema Israel, listen to Israel. The importance of listening. Yes, absolutely. It's much, you can talk for 10 hours, you cannot even listen for a minute, right? <laughs> to talk anytime, to listen, oh, it's so painful. <laughs> and that's what God says. God gave him, that's what the, the prophet said, Isaiah, God gave me the, the gift of listening. Right. Number five. God Almighty opened my ears. I did not hold myself back or retreat. Even if there was a fear that I would be hurt, I went nonetheless, and I gave over my body to floggers and my cheeks to those who tore out my hair. I did not hide my face from the fear of insult or and spitting. Despite all odds, God Almighty helped me, and I was not ashamed. I saw God was helping me, so I had made my face like a hard rock that would deflect any insult. And I know that I will not be ashamed. Here is a very powerful statement that Isaiah says about himself. Basically, he says about every one of us. You go, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Even people laugh, oh, you're doing this thing. 3,000 years old, you continue with this. With this tradition so, so old, so out of, out of uh, date. Nobody's doing, it's not anything to do anymore proud of who you are, the Jewish people. One of the most important gifts we can give our children is Jewish pride. Not Jewish pride because we have a lot of noble uh, prize winners. Not Jewish pride because we have a lot of Hollywood actors who are Jewish. Jewish pride of what we are offering. We have Judaism to offer. And not to try to cover this up. Oh, I eat matzah, I don't want anybody to see. I light candles, I don't want my friend to know. I put a mezuzah from the inside. To be proud of who we are. Not to be proud of our kippah, not be afraid of. Just to be proud of our Judaism. So, so there, are two there are two interpretations of this section. One is it's Isaiah talking, and he's taking a lot of abuse for being a prophet. And there's the other, that this is symbolic of the Jewish people taking a lot of abuse. I know you're going with this. Okay, tell me what your, what your take is on that. It's both of them is true, it's not a contradiction. It's as Isaiah speaks about himself. I know, they He's took speaking. it to the other direction. But, uh, and, 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 and it's, it's a reflection of the Jewish people over the history of the Jews. They took a lot of abuse. But Hashem is with them, therefore they made the face like stone. He said, this is it. What is a Jew? A Jew is a stubborn man, stiff neck. People, right? That's our pride that we are stiff neck. If he wouldn't be stiff neck, he wouldn't be sitting. If our parents would not be stiff neck nation, we wouldn't be around. That's the flip. Exactly. You know, when you have a child who is a very stubborn child, that when he, to raise him is, is a nightmare. But later, you know, the guy will be successful because he's strong. On the other end, he's a soft child. It's easy to, live, to raise him. But you know, later will be harder in his life. And God raised the Jewish people, stiff-neck nation. He had a hard time with them, but he knew one thing. They are not going anywhere. So is this where, uh, you know, the whole concept of turning the other cheek, is that consistent with what ah, this I passage know is? Going, I know you're going down. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, doesn't say just to forget. No. Yeah, I mean, you can put anything in, in the world of the prophet. You can, you can stick anything you want. It seems like he's saying, look, if, if they hit me, it doesn't matter to me. They can hit my other cheek, too. I'm, I'm not going to change. Oh, I'm <laughs> not going to change. But, but now that I offer my other cheek. Uh -huh. It's a big difference. Yeah, if somebody hit me, I will continue to do what I do. But I'm not looking for abuse. That's Jewish religion. We are not looking to suffer. It's a big difference. Yeah, that's right. We are not looking for... We don't look for murders. No, we are way. not... You understand what I'm saying? We're not looking for murders. It's a big difference. If we need to, we will. Abraham, God told him to sacrifice his son. He didn't look to sacrifice his son. You understand what I'm saying? There's a whole discussion about Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said that before he was burned alive, he said, he said, my son. His disciples told him, even now, like you're thanking God? He says, yeah, all my life I was waiting for the opportunity to give my life for God. Hasidah says, we don't take the approach of Rabbi Akiva. We take the approach of Abraham. Abraham did not look to give his life for God. You need to, you do it. But they're not looking for it. 
We're not looking for, for to be abused, to give the other cheek, or to, or to, or to, or we are not looking for others. We are looking everything to be alive. Sometimes we have no choice, we are ready to do it, yeah. This will not stop us. That's a big difference how we look at life. And the whole approach about religion. Like, like in Israel, we have to go to war, we have no choice to go to war. We're not looking to go to war. In other places, they sanctify death. We sanctify life. That's all different. And we sanctify happiness, not suffering. You understand? We don't, we don't say because he suffers, we're looking for suffering, become more holier. We say we can do everything in a good way. You don't have to suffer for it. What do you want to say? No, I uh, okay, let's go to the next. Uh, we are uh, number 10? Eight. Right? Eight. Eight? Okay, good. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> God, who is my defender, is near to me. So who wants to fight me? God and I will stand together. Whoever wishes to be my adversary, let him approach me. Indeed, God Almighty will help me. So who could declare me guilty? My opponents will all be worn out like old clothing and consumed by moths. <laughs> Disappear. They will be gone. Continue, Mr. Marvin. Who among you fears God and listens to the voice of his servant, the prophet? Even he who walked in darkness of suffering, without any light of hope for salvation, should trust in Hashem's name that salvation will indeed come. See, even a person who walks in the dark, God forbid sometimes people walk in the dark, it's dark in life. Even those should always have faith and things will, and, and the faith alone will deserve them that things should turn around. You don't give up, even people in doing the Holocaust, even this time, should always have the faith. That's what he says. Anybody who's a God-fearing man. Number 11. But in truth, but in truth, nearly all of you cause the fire of God's anger to blaze and fan the flames. Consequently, you will walk in the light of your fire, and the flame you lit being punished accordingly. This is no accident; it has come to you from my hand, so that when you lie down to die, you will have had only sadness. This is not such a positive verse. <laughs> Basically, God, the prophet says, it's all your fault, guys. You made it to yourself. As he spoke about it in the past weeks, he spoke about it that God doesn't punish. It's a consequence. If you, if, you, if you eat something that you know it will give you outburn, and you have outburn, it's not a punishment. <laughs> Next time, don't eat it. I mean, it's, it's what you do. It's how they say the saying in Yiddish, the way you, you make your bed, that's how you sleep. I mean, don't complain later. <coughs> Number... Now we finished all chapter 50. Now we'll go to chapter 51. Number one. Listen to me, you who pursue justice and seek God. Look to Abraham, the rock from which you were hewn, and to Sarah, the quarry from which you were dug. Look to your father Abraham and to Sarah, who gave birth to you. For he was alone without any family when I called him. But I blessed him and caused him to multiply. And likewise... Okay, well, okay, likewise, go ahead, finish. I will make the Jewish people who are now a minority multiply greatly. Okay, God says there. Uh, in a simple, uh, to a, a simple commentary, he says, Abraham was one. Look, at a big, a big family, right? When Abraham and Sarah were only the only one, Abraham was the chief rabbi and Sarah was the head of the federation, you know what I mean? There was nobody else. But look, all nation came out, and don't worry that you are a small minority, you'll be big. But there is much more to it. Look back to the rock from where you're coming. You know, many times, Jewish people say, we are much better than the rest of the nations. What God wants from us? Much better than any other nation. No, it's written there. And the Slichot, before the holidays, they say, we are worse than any other nation. Everybody, if you really believe it, what's written there? We are worse than any other nation. We are worse than ISIS. What is worse than any other nation? How can we say such a lie in the synagogue? The point is, from where you come? Compared to what? What's your roots? Who is your grandfather? Who is your great grandfather? 
that we that the other nations had people like the Rebbe, like the baby, like the Baal Shem Tov, like the baby Yitzhak of Bardichev, like like Moses, like Isaiah, like Jeremiah. Are you comparing yourself to them? Tell your child, you're embarrassing me. What he tells you, but my friend did it. My friend, your friend is coming. I don't care for me, your friend is coming. But a child of mine should know better, should behave better. You're reflecting on me. God tells the Jewish people, look back to where you're coming from. The biggest tragedy of the Jewish people is that they don't know their history. The more we'll know our history, the more, we'll, the more well we will know where to go for the future. What the Jewish kids in America know history? Holocaust in Israel. That's about <coughs> it. Ask him any other piece of history, less than zero. Less than zero, not zero, less than zero. If you don't know your history, you don't know. So, you know, in, the, in, in Germany, in 1936, I think, they invoked one, in one day all the, all the license of all the lawyers. Some lawyers, Jewish lawyers, committed suicide. I promise you that religious lawyers didn't commit suicide. You know why? They were not so surprised. Not that they were happy. <laughs> Nobody likes to lose their license. But they never thought that anybody loves them too much. Then. That they were not so surprised. If you, have the, you know the history, you know where you're standing. You know where you're going. Right. If you don't know the history, oh, it's great, it's amazing, you're wonderful, everybody. Suddenly you get such a shock, you don't know what to do with it. That's, very, that's what he says here, look back to your roots, to the rock that you were ancient from. You're coming from Abraham and Sarah. That first of all, don't be afraid of the world. Okay? But more than that, every time when you have to look yourself, take the picture of your great-great-grandfather and look at him and say, how do I look compared to this guy? I have to measure myself. The stick measure, stick measure is, is completely a different one. And that's the power. We'll finish the last verse. I mean, we are in number three. For God will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her wounds. He will make her wilderness, wilderness like Eden and her desert like God's garden. Joy and gladness will be found there, thanksgiving and the sound of music. Joy and gladness, and Moshiach will come. With joy and gladness of the Jewish people and a lot of celebration. That's the prophecy of comfort that God is giving to the Jewish people in this week. If you come to Shul, you'll hear the prophecy with your own ears and you'll be able to be comforted.